You want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. How bad did I want it? Bad enough to be here. We need improvement in facilities. We need improvement in the attitude of a lot of different people about Kansas State University, the athletic program, particularly in football. I'm going to make sure that the student athlete that comes in here leads a quality life. Football sometimes detracts from that. You will not try to take the shortcuts. I will not do that. I will not be pressured to do that. I will not move any more rapidly than is necessary to have quality people in this program. This is a task, it's a monumental task. It's the greatest challenge of my life. The opportunity for the greatest turnaround in college football exists here today, and it's not, and it's not one to be taken lightly. What a way to, to start the show. A monumental day in the hearts of K-State fans, specifically K-State football fans, is 33 years ago today, on November 30th, Bill Snyder became the head football coach of Kansas State University. And, and history knows the rest, right? He was a, I have it all here. He was, a, he was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2015. He was a was it four-time Big 12 Coach of the Year, won two Big 12 championships, AP Coach of the Year in 1998, Walter Camp Coach of the Year in 1998, Paul Bear Bryant Award recipient in 1998 it's bill snyder it's bill snyder day here on november 30th it's sad man it's just sad i don't know makes makes me sad thinking thinking back all the good memories we had and now look where we are well i wouldn't put it that way that way i'd put it that you're a you're a pessimist i'm a realist (laughs) it's what a pessimist would say (laughs) maybe well, thank you for that, Nate. And thank you to everyone else uh, tuning in here on Wildcat 91.9. I'm your host, Colin Settle. This is Settling the Score, joined always by Nate Gray. We will be joined by another special guest here in just a little bit. We're going to have him call into the show, a very special guest. I put it out on Twitter. Uh, not only a Big 12 champion, but a Super Bowl champion. Nick Leckie, former K-State uh, center, will be joining us here later on the show, we're going to talk Cats football and then maybe some Cats basketball. I haven't really made up my mind yet. We'll just see where the conversation goes tonight. But, yeah, let's start uh, Let's start there with some K-State football. Let's recap this Texas game. As much as I don't want to, K-State fell 17-22. to Will Howard, 9 of 13, 65 yards. Deuce Vaughn, 24 carries for 143 yards and a touchdown. Will Howard, 8 carries, 82 yards and a touchdown. Leading receiver, how ironic, Tyron Howell, one one catch for 14 yards. Our leading receiver had 14 yards on one catch. Yes, and Sammy Wheeler, one catch, 13 yards. Malik Knowles, one catch, 10 yards. Phillip Brooks had a few catches. Deuce had two catches for seven yards. Eric Hommel, Jackson got involved as well. Defensively, Daniel Green, 10 tackles, one assist. Julius Brents, seven tackles, one assist. Ross Elder, seven tackles. Cody Fletcher, five tackles. And four tackles and one interception for T.J. Smith. I believe that is his second INT on the year. So, just breathe. That's that's the stay calm and just breathe. Do you want me to give my thoughts? Uh, you go or, first. Okay. 
because I know you're going to explode here in a second. You know what? Do you just want to go? Because I know you're a time bomb at this I point. I just think <laughs> that the last two weeks, I saw some of the worst offensive play calling I've seen in my life. And that's like, like I mean, I'm, t- I'm talking like I played like Pop Warner ball in like third grade and Coach Rob was calling better plays. My my third grade coach was calling better plays than Courtney Messingham d- did. I'm surprised, quite frankly, Gene Taylor let him back on the plane. I'm surprised they didn't. He didn't. They didn't say they didn't sorry. Make him walk sorry. Home. Yeah. No, sorry. You're you're unemployed. Your office has been cleaned out. You don't have a job because that's what they should have done. <laughs> he should have been filing for unemployment come Monday morning. No, come. He should have been doing it Friday afternoon, the second the game was done. Because that was the fact that your leading receiver had 14 yards on one catch says it all. They were the definition of one dimensional, and it was like they didn't even try. That's the thing. It was like it's like we're not even going to try to throw the ball, and then we line up on third and a third and one, and we say, "All right, we need one yard. Let's run the exact same play that we just got stuffed on on the other end of the field." And then let's do another read op. Like, you can't be that one-dimensional. Like, it looked like we were watching the Cats last year again. Sure. Like, and if that's what it, the future holds with Will Howard, because that wasn't really on Will Howard. He had a good game. The play calling was just horrible. So if that's what the future holds for Will Howard, I'm, I honestly feel bad for Will Howard because he he's not a great passer, but he he can. And I think the problem is that the play calling isn't putting him in a situation where he can do that successfully. So here's my thinking, and I think it goes back to three specific moments in the game for me. And it goes back to something that Coach Kleiman said a few weeks ago where, you know, not a few weeks ago, it was about a month ago, two months ago, after the Oklahoma game where K-State, I believe, went three for five, four for five on fourth down, right? And... After the game, Coach Kleiman comes out and he says, this is a team that I believe can go for it anywhere on the field from fourth and four, you know, and, that, and that's what happened. K-State got into fourth and four, fourth and three a few times, and they converted, right? The one play, the okay, so the, fir- the first of three instances, I believe it, it was in the first half, K-State uh, is driving, you get stopped on the 50-yard line. At midfield, it's fourth and one. Why do you not go for it there? You have the momentum at that point. It was after the interception and definitely after that first touchdown. Mm-hmm. You have the momentum. Why do you not go for it on fourth and one on the 50-yard line, right? And instead, you go for it on fourth and one on your own, like, 30. And that, and then, then you punt it away, yeah. and then obviously things happen, and you go into, into halftime with a one-score lead. So, or with a one-point lead. The next instance is... I don't know which one kind of stands out more in my mind because they're both kind of very similar, but we'll just kind of we'll take it chronologically here. It was in the fourth quarter, third and one. Didn't uh, do, do you know the play? Do you know what I'm talking about here? Mm-hmm. Do you, just give your thoughts here, real quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the third and one. I I, I don't know because it was the exact same play that they ran. Like I said on that fourth and one, just right before that. Uh, and it didn't work, obviously. Um, and so the fact that it didn't work when they ran it the one time made me just 
I could not wrap my mind around why you would try the same play again. Because it was pretty clear, if you throw the ball 13 times in a game, in an entire game, and then you line up in a direct snap for your all-American running back, it's pretty clear where the ball's going to go. It's pretty clear it's going to be um, a little a little run to him, a little direct, direct snap, um, rush up the side. So... Um, I don't know. It just felt very predictable, um, and it, it it it's like everybody in the stadium knew it was going to happen. Obviously, Texas knew it was going to happen, and I don't know. It's just it just feels like more the same because, to be honest, I feel the exact same way about the Baylor game. I feel the same way. It was completely the offensive play calling was just awful and cost them the game. So um, I just think the last two games, um, K State has had zero offensive consistency, and I. Hope that's something we talk about later because I think that's there's something to be said about K State football as a whole. I agree. That. I agree. I think you know, and you kind of summed it up best there, talking about that third down play. As joining us now to talk about the game, as I said, Big Twelve champion in 2003, he was a Remington Trophy finalist. He did not allow a single sack over the course of his entire career at Kansas State. Big 12 champion, Super Bowl champion, Nick Lackey. Nick, how you doing? I'm good, Colin. How you doing there, man? I mean, talking about a cat's loss obviously isn't the way that you want to spend a Tuesday night, but, I mean, we're doing all right. It's finals week and we're surviving, but, I mean, we're kind of going through at the moment talking about, you know, kind of what happened on a few key plays. Nate, my co-host, brought up thoughts of Courtney Messingham. We can get into that a little bit as well in the play calling, but... We're just kind of going through a, a few key moments. You look at that third down, fourth down on those two possessions where you can't convert, you have some issues there, you turn the ball over. What are your initial thoughts just after the Texas game? So I, I, I never second-guess play calling. Um, you know, I, I, do, I do wish you know, maybe a QB sneak, but I definitely see the logic um, uh, for them of going for it, right? So you're going for it, which is awesome. But I just feel with the Wildcat, like I think when you run it twice – uh, I think it's. I, I think I get what they were thinking, what he was thinking. Where okay, maybe they thought we're gonna do this and we're gonna try it again and see if we get a different result. You know, it is trusting your own line to get it done. Uh, but unfortunately, I feel like with those plays where they're selling out for that short yardage. So uh, I was hoping to see on that second one maybe the pop pass. Um, and so and just d- didn't see that. And uh, like I said, a creepy sneak would have been great, but maybe there's something we don't know about <clears throat> with that. But I mean, you do trust your own line, but at the same time, it's like have an option, uh, run, run like off tackle, uh, do a pass, you know, give yourself something, something better than a wildcat where that's the one time where I feel like you do back yourself up because you're on, you're at seven yards as opposed to five. So it's like, eh, I don't get it. And that's the other thing too, is I, I, you know, going back and thinking here, I don't think K state has run the wildcat really at all this season up until this game. Right. And it's pretty, it's just, I think it's just predictable, and I think that's the best way that I can describe this offense is we're just too predictable. You know, you know what's coming, so sell out for it, and that obviously worked for Texas to be able to sell out because you know that Deuce Vaughn is getting the ball there. Yeah, and, and it's like it's like you're running a great you, – you're calling some great, great run calls, and all of a sudden you want to overthink it and you want to go, like, fourth and short, let's do Wildcat. Like, really? Like – Go with what's got you there. I, I, I get when offensive coordinators do things like that. We're like, okay, this is our fourth and one play. This is our go-to. We love this play. This is what we're going to run. And, you know, you might have worked in practice. You might have seen it. But it's like, 
you got to kind of take a pulse check when, when you're calling plays and say, okay, what's working on this drive? Who's doing well? Um, let's not bring in an extra tight end, you know, put them in, in a heavy, heavy package on defense, you know, bring in extra D linemen. Um, you know, let's do what Baylor does. Let's do single back. Let's, let's go, um, you know, four or five wide and let's spread out the field like that. And then you're looking at, you know, six man, seven man boxes, much more favorable to run into than, you know, when you get an eight, nine man box uh, defensively. And, you know, you look, that was that Wildcat call on, I believe it was that fourth and one that first time, right? And then the second possession, you have, I don't know how much time left, you're on the 17-yard line, right, of in Texas territory, and you run a speed option toward the boundary. And I don't know, this is just like a personal thing. I don't like running pitches towards the boundary. That's just not my thing. I just feel like you run out of room, right? That's just not my thing. But I look at, I look at, you know, that play call and you put the ball in the hands of an unexperienced quarterback in a big time situation, you know, that was just the play call that kind of did it for me where it was kind of like, you know, what, what are we doing? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Like, are are you, are you overthinking it or are you underthinking it? Like it it was just, it was just, it was baffling to me. It's like, and you knew, you knew there was no, I mean, you know, they, they sold out on Deuce Vaughn. And they said, okay, you know, we'll take, we'll, we'll sell out on Deuce, you know, block, block that off. And then at the same time, you know, we'll, we'll make you run it, you know? So we'll see what you can do, see what you can do with that ball. And, you know, the results were, were there. And it's like, um, I think you fully expected to pitch it. And they were like, no, we'll take Deuce. We'll eliminate this and, and we'll take our chance with you, is how Texas played it. So the big question, I think, on everybody's mind, and it's something that Nate brought up, and it's something that I've talked about, you know, on Twitter and other stuff as well, is, you know, what do you what, what do you do with Courtney Messingham? And, you know, it's something that, you know, you look at other coaches and people are moving around. You know, you look at what Lincoln Riley's doing right now, and I figure we can get into that a little bit later as well. But, you know, you do you see any coaching changes? I've heard from a few people that I've talked to that maybe – Colin Klein might be leaving the coaching staff. Do you think, you know, is it a play-calling issue? Do you blame this on Courtney Messingham, and what do you do about it? No, it, it's something that, no, you don't. I, and I never like to call for anybody's job, anything like that. That's that, that's why, you know, um, you know, Gene and Chris Kleiman uh, get paid the big bucks to make those decisions. And, you know, there's a, I, I think that there, there's some sort of, you know, got to be some sort of communication uh, to say, okay, Listen, you know this didn't work so well. You know how are we going to fix this? And, and and I think we're, <clears throat> I think right now, and I don't. Are we going to discuss the two minute, two minute place? Oh yeah, we can do that. Um. So that to me is the bigger issue. Um. When I coach my children, um. And and when I tell them before games, you know, and and my sort of motto in life has been control what you can control. You know, you can't control. You dial up a play and it gets stuffed, right? You can't control if a pass gets dropped, your quarterback misses a throw, you know, wide receiver runs the wrong route. But you can, with that two-minute drill, that to me was like the biggest indictment of how in the flying, you know, um, Queen Mary, mother, uh, <laughs> F-word, all that stuff, are you, not, are you not sprinting? Like, how are you not telling them, hey, guys, all right, let's go. We're down by five. Uh, well, this is totally winnable. Let's get out there. Let's hustle up tempo. Let's do boundary throws. Let, let's get a flying scrimmage. Let's spike it. Let's run another play. We got time. We can win this thing. And, and and it's the only thing that really pissed me off beyond all belief where I almost swore on Twitter um, <laughs> was 
was that was like there was no there was no hurry there was no giddy up there was no um hey let's go let's go let's go let's go you know you got to be up tempo and it's like uh, and they're he's throwing the ball in the middle of the field and not get out of bounds i'm like did they even run the two-minute offense and that to me was the most embarrassing thing as a former player to see that i'm like we look like a, a middle school team uh trying running two-minute offense for the first time and like I said, it wasn't like we were down by two possessions. We were down by five points, and we could have won with a touchdown. And I, I, yeah, I wanted to break a TV. I did. Do you it think that that? Do you think it has to do with having Will Howard at quarterback, having this inexperienced guy? No, no. You, you should be able to run that from the day you get in. You have four, four or five plays. Um, you know, uh, it really was not that loud. You know, you know how to run two-minute offense. You do it every week. Um, it's mind-boggling. You can't install that. Like, if you can't install that, um, we we have bigger problems in, in a week, you know, with Will Howard. You can't – you have to do that. You have to have that as a part of your rep, repertoire. And it looked like they'd never seen it in their life. And it looked like they are just casually going like like they had all the time in the world. And and as a former player and knowing that you run that every week, you practice, you drill it, oh, it just didn't look like we knew what to do. It looked like they didn't care. That was the worst part. That's what it looked like to me that they did not care. And I hate to call out people like that, but there was no, like I said, there was no, we rewatched that film and you'd be like, what are they doing? Sprint. I'm like, I'm like yelling at the team, I'm like, sprint, sprint, get up the line, scrimmage, go. And they were just casual. And yeah, that, that pissed me off the most. That was to me the biggest thing. And it, I get mad because you can control that, right? You can do all that. You can run up the line, you can call up a play, get it going. And they didn't. And that's something that I think we're not unfamiliar with this season as well. You look back to the Oklahoma game where you're down, you know, two scores with, I don't know, it was like eight minutes left, right? Exactly. <laughs> Andy Reid clock management, as my co-host Nate says there. You know, it's like, um, it's not it's not something that we're unfamiliar with. And I agree, it is frustrating. And, you know, I just don't, like you said, it's something that is installed. Like, that's what you do in practice. Like, the last... Yeah. 15 minutes of practice, you know, you run two-minute drill and then you do conditioning, you know, whatever it is at that point, right? So, I mean, that is definitely, you know, now that we're kind of towards the end of the season reflecting as we get into bowl games and and talk there as well, you know, that's one thing that's been very frustrating this season is just seeing the lack of attention to the hurry-up offense and and the – What's the what's the word I'm looking for here? The uh, up tempo. The up yeah, the up tempo, the intensity, you know, behind getting up to the ball. Yes, and 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 that's and like I said, that's something you can easily control, and you could say, all right, let's go. Like, let's get on horses, let's sprint up to line scrimmage, and let's go. Uh, What plays you're dialed up? Don't care. But can you get up there, get ready, and get ready for a play to be called in? Yes. And and like I said, that's something that's within their control that was not executed well. And that's my only gripe, honestly. Like, I don't care about those two fourth-down uh, wildcat calls. You know, I mean, he dialed them up. They didn't get executed right. Texas got us. Um, but I will get pissing. As a former player, and if you know football, if you know the game, that's an embarrassing two-minute offense. And I'll never call out K-State except for that. You said it yourself, former player. We're talking with Nick Lecky here, former K-State center, Big 12 champion, and Super Bowl champion. I, I'm not sure if you're aware what today is on November 30th. 33 years ago, I played it in our intro, Bill Snyder came to K-State. And that's a guy that I wanted to get your opinion on because it seems like everyone has their thoughts on him and they're all kind of similar. So I'm curious to see if you fall in the same category as everyone else. You know, What was it like being able to play for a guy like Coach Snyder? 
it was hard. It was extremely difficult. Um, he, he set an expectation uh, of work ethic that, that you better match. And it's something where don't care who you were, uh, you better work hard. And, you know, he was there at 6 a.m. His, his silver Cadillac was there at 6 a.m. And his silver Cadillac was there at 11 p.m. watching film, getting you ready. Um, we used to run in our team period. So our team period, we used to think it was like 60 plays in 30 minutes. And so we'd run 60 plays versus scout team in 30 minutes. So that's two plays a minute. And it was extreme. It was like, oh, my God. But you got in reps. You got in conditioning. Game days was, was a breeze. And that's why we were always such good in the fourth quarter, so good in November, is that because we had that conditioning. It's because, you know, our, our bodies were, were, were ready for it. And, and, and he not only he didn't just prepare, prepare you for the NFL. No, he did not. He prepared you to be a man in life, you know, no hats in the building, uh, you know, no earrings. It's a bit old school now since the earrings are everywhere, ubiquitous. <laughs> um, and it was just it was respect, you know. And if, if someone left lunch trays at the Derby Dining Center before the training table, um, everyone had to run because even if you don't leave them out, you got to be responsible. It's not someone's job to pick up after you. So he really he really set us up. And as an 18 to 22 year old, you hate it. You, you honestly you hate it. But now looking back, I'm 39 years old. I, I'm absolutely so eternally grateful for for what he was raising us to be as, as men and not just, you know, uh, an NFL football player or a college football player, which I, I really, really respect the hell out of him. And you look at my watch, my wristwatch to this day, I'm still five minutes ahead of time. time. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Because, you know, he has all these accolades and everything that he's done for K-State and then college football as a whole. What do you think his impact is just on the game of football? Um, just, I mean, look at, look at the Stoops brothers, uh, Venables, look at Mangino. You know, I talked to people under Mangino at KU and they were the Bill, Bill Snyder schedule. And so I think just for him, I mean, he's the one person who, who truly, um, not even resurrected a program, created a program. I mean, K-State was nothing before him. Um, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I chose, you know, K-State over Texas was a chance to be a part of something like uh, ground floor of Google. Instead of being, you know, uh, working on Google now, it's like you built something. You know, we were part of a, a foundation to set up, you know, to, um, you know, uh, a high watermark and say, hey, hey, teams in the future, here's where we can go. You can do better and we'll show you the way. Just like the 98 team put K-State on the map, you know, we tried to put K-State on the map, too, and elevate it and the expectations at K-State. Nick Leckie talking with me here. What was uh, in your mind? Obviously, you know, a very opinionated question here, a very hard question here that I want to throw at you. Uh, what was worse, the NFL training camps or Bill Snyder's summer workouts? <laughs> no question. Bill Snyder. I mean, <laughs> no joke. Like, no question. I mean, we had we had uh, this one day, like, towards the latter part of camp, and it was called Wildcat Day. And we honestly had three full padded practices. Illegal is all get out. Um, <laughs> We had three full padded practices, and it was hell. It was absolute nightmare, just unreal. Um, but we got it in, you know. We repped it out and got that done, and you got to eat whatever you want because you're burning a billion calories. And, you know, it was hot, um, and he didn't care. Uh, he was like, you know, we're going we're gonna to be the toughest team out there. And lo and behold, you go out there, and you just know you're the toughest team. You know it. You feel it in your soul because you you've worked that damn hard. You uh, you brought up a team that I that I just had. 
And this, I guess it's kind of more of a personal thing, but it's also, you know, kind of a fun question. I talked with David Allen, right, when uh, we, we also talked together at Jordy Nelson's softball event. I, uh, I posed the question to David Allen, K-State running back return man, incredible, right? Yep. If you had to match up the 98 team, the 03 team, maybe that 2012 team, you know, who do you think would, uh, who do you think would come out on top there? Man, I think that 98 team was a hell of a squad. Um, I would even challenge, not the 03. 03 team had the most success, but I'd, I'd even challenge the 02. The 02 team with Terry Pierce and Terrence Newman on defense. I think the 02 team, I think we could have given a run for money. You had Sprolzy was a sophomore. Um, you know, Tinu was a cornerback wide receiver. Terry Pierce was a Mike linebacker. Um, had some dogs on the D line, had some people on the offensive line. Um, I think the O two team, man. I think you know it's uh, God. I, I think ninety eight would would get it because they just got big, big bodies, and Mike B is just unstoppable. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I, I I give it to to my king, Mike B, a ninety eight for sure. You got to play with a pretty uh, you got to play with a pretty good quarterback yourself too, right? I mean. He's uh he's in a category with Skylar Thompson is I believe it's one of only two quarterbacks to have over four thousand passing yards and one thousand rushing yards in their career. You know, what was it like getting you know, you brought it up. You got to play with guys like El Roberson and Darren Sproles and Terrence Newman. Like what 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 is that like being surrounded by so much talent? Oh, it's just unreal. I mean just I mean just, just iron sharpens iron. You know, you knew L was gonna do big things, you know, his freshman year, sophomore year, scout team, and then he's the quarterback. And you know, he made some mistakes and stuff like that, but that dude was electric. And then him and Sproles in that same backfield, wow, that was unreal. That was super unreal. And, I mean, he, you know, he learned from Jonathan Beasley. And Be- Beasley was that guy, too, you know, underrated. But, yeah, man, it was it was something else, man. Just knowing the squad we had, the you know, confidence uh, that we came on the field, we expected to win every damn game, every game. And you've had kind of, you know, you had a you had a fun little career there. Do you have, you know, sort of because you you know Big Twelve champion, you do all this stuff, right? You make it to the league, you win a Super Bowl, right? Do you have like a favorite moment, a favorite play, you know, a memory throughout your time just playing football in general? Um, winning Super Bowls up there. I feel yeah, I feel like it has to be right. <laughs> yeah, winning Super Bowls up there. But the weird thing about the Super Bowl is that you win it; it's amazing. You're so euphoric. And then the next day, um, I got drug tested like six thirty in the morning. By the way, the next day. Um, and then, um, but you know, you're on the bus. You're, you're head, you know, we were in Miami on the bus, headed back home. Uh, you know, get on the airplane to go home. And it was like, all right, let's win it again next year. So it's so short lived in the NFL because it's like, all right, you know, on to the next, on to the next. Um, and then the Big Twelve felt good just because it was like you know. Um, you know, uh, it finally we were like, we were so pissed. It was like, you know, we wanted people to put some respect on our name. And, uh, you know, that's what we did in 03. Um, you know, they were right. Oklahoma was right for that fall. Um, that was up there. Um, I think, I don't know, I think just seeing, seeing players shine uh, to me. Um, Spolsey, when he did the spin move versus USC, uh, 02, but to me was, it was a really big move because it was like, okay, world, now you see what we see in practice. And to me, it was like Sprozzi's that guy. He's an elite player because he put a move on some elite athletes from USC. I'm like, okay, Sprozzi's legit. He's legit. And that to me was a special moment. I'm like, and it wasn't a big, big, big run, 
But the fact he juked out two guys on a spin move on like a 56 pop out, I was like, oh my God, this guy's unreal. He's going to be legit. There's one play, there is one play that I wanted to bring up, and I, I think it might sound a little familiar to you. It, it goes something like this. That's familiar. Stand up tight end. They set the middle screen, and here comes Spurs. First down, midfield. Breaks the down. Where uh, where do you think that middle screen play ranks in terms of uh, you know plays that you got to be a part of, but then as well just for K State in general? Um, I mean, just just crucial. I can't hear. Like to me, just absolutely uh, like a crucial crucial play. Just because I I I, I always get I got a cut block, and, and I ha- I remember in the film room having to talk with uh, Coach Stanley. I mean, like, hey, I, I need a cut here. I need I need to get counter for a cut block. Look outside the screen. Are you still with us? Can you hear us? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, I was like, I need a cut block for that because it was outside the screen. But I just remember getting a solid cut block in the open field, which is just damn near impossible. Yeah, at least <laughs> which is just damn near impossible to do. And then Strolzy broke it, and he didn't get caught. And that's another point, wrong. Okay, Strolzy not getting walked by by tenders. Cool. Like so cool, and just for him to break that, it just man, we just dropped dropped bombs from outer space on that. That was awesome. And then you know we kind of brought it up. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Nick Lecky talking with us, by the way, here, uh, former former K State center, big boy himself. That's uh, a little teaser there. We got to something I like to do on the show, Nick. I didn't know if you knew we have a we have a running segment called Big Boy of the Week. As you know, you're an offensive lineman. Last ones to get the praise. First ones to get blamed for everything. So what we do on this show is we like to give a little credit to the big boys, right? So yes. that'll be that'll be coming up here very shortly. But before you know, I let you go or take up too much of your time. You know, just getting back into the realm of what's going on now. You know, K State loses a few players to the transfer portal. You lose Joe Irvin, you lose Jacardi Wright, Tyron Howland, Wayne Jones, and then Lincoln Riley heads to USC. He he leaves Oklahoma, heads to USC, and now OU is losing a few players to the transfer portal. You, you look at their receiver, Hazelwood. You look at uh, Spencer Rattler, I believe, was the one that announced Potentially this. Mims, too. Potentially, potentially Marvin Mims, as well, mm-hmm. is going to be leaving. You know, what do you think is going to be the implication of just looking at the transfer portal and then what Lincoln Riley is doing right now with all these coaching moves? What is that going to do on the impact of college football? Um, well, <laughs> First of all, it makes me laugh because that's a big middle finger to OU. Um, I'm pretty sure Lincoln Riley did not want to go coach in the SEC. I'm pretty sure he wasn't consulted on this. It felt like a, like a fan administration-driven thing. Hey, let's go join the SEC. And if you're a coach, you're like, that's that's a nightmare. Why, why do I want to do that? You know, why are we gonna? We got a good thing going. We can run the tables in the Big Twelve. Um, watch out for Bedlam, um, and then you know, going to college football playoffs and losing the first round. And I'm like, that's a good gig. You know, win 10 games consistently. And then you want to go to SEC. And then turns out Lincoln Riley was not cool with that. And by the way, I'm going to get into coaching with that Lincoln Riley contract. That was amazing. I mean, unlimited use of the private jet, 500000 over over asking price, both homes. Buy him a $6 million house. I was um, in L.A. I was looking on, on Redfin for houses. There's another house for sale in Venice. And, you know, Venice Beach is about 30 minutes away from the USC facility. But you can get some nice places for about $5 million down there. 
Nick, we've covered a lot here. I didn't want to take up too much of your time. Do you have any, uh, you know, you took the time out this evening to come on my show. You're talking to me. Is there anything that I can do for you? Any shout outs, any uh, plugs or anything? I know you have a you have a show of your own that you do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, my buddy BJA Kissel started the, uh, you know, KC Sports Network. It's called Outside the Trenches. Uh, if you're in the Chief stuff, um, there's a whole whole host of stuff you know we do a show kind of outside the trenches uh we're kind of discuss some some thirty thousand foot views um and then and then we got some other guys in the lab and different shows you know former players you know mike devito jeff allen um you know craig stout uh does some stuff to breakdown well nick i appreciate you know yeah 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 sorry i think you cut out there for a second okay yep no worries so yeah no, no just uh, it's a uh, kc sports network check it out yeah, I appreciate again. Appreciate all your time, all of the uh, the insight. It's great in getting to talk to like former <clears throat> players and get their you know insight because that's something that you won't necessarily hear right from a former player or from a non former player about that two minute drill stuff, right? So it's really cool yeah. to get to talk to you know guys like yourself who have done it at the highest level and know what they're talking about, you know. Well, thanks for having me on, man. You know, I love talking K State football, so I've turned into a bit of a junkie with uh, I bleed purple now. You know, I used to not really. Uh, but now I totally do, and you know, it's like you know, it's a big block of my day. I was on vacation. We we're in the hotel room watching that because I cannot watch in the bar. <laughs> I, would, I, would be, I would be irate or throw beer bottles or something like that. Well, Nick, the show is uh, the show is slowly coming to an end. But if we uh, if we ever need you in the future, I'd love to have you on again. Awesome, man. Just give me a call, man. You know where I'm at. Awesome. I appreciate it, Nick. Thank you. Big boy of the week. Another guy, another guest on the show that was that's been really cool to talk to, Nick. Cause Nick, uh, Nick is the uncle of one of our one of our personal friends, and it's good to good to get in contact with him. Like I said, you know, Big Twelve champion, Super Bowl champion. Are you kidding me? Who? When do you casually get to talk to to a Super Bowl champion, right? I mean, I've gotten to. Tell, have you ever met Jordy Nelson? Uh, he's I ran into bit. him in elevator in KC. Did you really? Yeah. How was that? It was really cool. I was we were at a hotel. <laughs> yeah. For like a staycation, sure. and I was getting out of the, it. Was it was when he was on the Raiders? The Raiders were playing the Chiefs, and we were in the Raiders no. team hotel. Uh. And I get out of the swimming pool, and so <laughs> I, I, I hit the elevator button, and I get in, and I'm like, you know, Dread. like shirtless, yeah. like dripping sweat, dripping uh, water, and I'm like. It's Jordy Nelson. Like I just got in the elevator with Jordy Nelson. Did you guys talk at all? I didn't. I was like, I was younger. I was like, kind of freaking out. I yeah. was like, I don't know what to say. Like I'm like shirtless here. <laughs> like I don't even know. I'm you know dripping guy wet. Yeah. There. Yeah. Because <laughs> I yeah I've met him a few times. I've talked to him a few times. I brought it up at the at his softball event that he had at the Bill. I got to talk to Bill Snyder's. Who made it's Bill Snyder Day. We can't forget that. Yes, 33 sir. years ago today, Bill Snyder became the head football coach of. Kansas State University, and everything everything has changed ever since then. But something that doesn't change is our appreciation for the larger, hefty crowd of men that play the game of football, also known as the SWAT, the Hogs, the offensive line. I can't think of any more names that you would call an offensive the line. The heavier guys. The, head, the, the, the big guys. Yeah. The big guys. We'll just call them that. Big Boy of the Week this week. We got another good one, I think. He not only blocked an extra point, but he returned it too. This week's Big Boy of the Week, Rasheem Green, a defensive end for the Seattle Seahawks. He is six foot four, 279 pounds. Not the biggest guy that's won the award. But big nonetheless. But big nonetheless, and that's all that matters. And uh, 
His uh, his play that won him the award sounds like this. He's Gore McKissick, third overall. It's blocked. Rasheem Green able to pick it up for Seattle. And he's got a path. He's got blockers all the way. How about that turn of events for Rasheem Green? How about that? That was a long house call. It was a long He's a bigger guy, so he's not running the fastest. So he's like, here he is. He's got blockers. He might score. He's still going. He's still going. (laughs) He's at the 40. At the 35. At the 30. Shout out to DJ Reed, former Wildcat, for throwing a block on that return as well. He's doing well in the league. You look at. because I'm trying to think who all's who all's playing. Because you have uh, DJ's playing for Seattle, Tyler's playing for Seattle, Cornelius Lucas playing for Washington right now. I'm trying to think who else. White Hubert with the Bengals out for the season. Briley Moore with the Titans out for the season. Uh, where's Elijah Lee at? He's definitely somewhere. Oh, is he on the 49ers? He was for a little bit. I don't know if he's still there. I'm not sure. He they're they're all playing the league and it's great and that's always good to see. But you know, we bring up this talk about Lincoln Riley leaving, and I just kind of want to talk about the transfer portal for for a few minutes it. here. And I I I'm conflicted, and I definitely have thoughts, but I'm conflicted because a part of me is like, yeah, good for the players, like do do what you want to do, right? But at the same time. And granted, I I don't know the inner mechanisms. I don't know the inner workings. And obviously, you know, I don't know everything about the the NCAA. But you come in here as a student first. And for a student to be able to Mm -hmm. just get up and go just kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit. And I don't know if that's just me. But I don't know. It's just there's something about the portal that just doesn't sit right in my mind. I I absolutely agree. I think that's just another way that college football is becoming more like the pros. Like it's like it's just a market. You can just yeah. say, you know what? I'm a I'm a freshman. I deserve to be starting over these juniors and seniors. So I'm going to go somewhere where they'll let me play. It's like, why don't you just stick it out? Yeah. And wait. But at the same time, it's like I if I wanted to leave, if all of a sudden I was like, you know what? I I don't want to be here at K State anymore. I want to go to Wichita State. I can transfer if I want to. And that's to. the other thing There's is nothing... if, if an athlete's going to transfer, they're going to go from. And why would you want to go from like a D one school where you're sitting as like third string at worst, right? Let's just take take a moment here into consideration. Uh, Jacardia Wright, as as we brought up, Joe Irvin leaves. Jacardia Wright leaves. Tyron Howell is transferring, and Wayne Jones. On defense, actually, I like. I think I like the Wayne Jones comparison a little bit more here. And just talking K State, Wayne Jones <clears throat> was a backup to Ryan Hennington. Ryan Hennington was also a backup, but he rotated in. Right, Wayne Jones got his looks right because he's an athlete. He's a big guy. He's made plays. He was like third on the tackles his freshman year as a strong safety. Like as a freshman, you're finishing third on the team in solo tackles. That's impressive, right? Daniel Green obviously is a monster. And then having Cody Fletcher come back probably wasn't in the stars for Wayne Jones, right? But now Cody Fletcher's leaving. Ryan Hennington is leaving. 
there are holes in this defense, and I think Wayne Jones is a good enough athlete to be able to fill those holes. Yeah, in my he's what, in my opinion. junior, yeah, he'll have he'll be a senior next year, but to have him leave just doesn't make sense. I just don't get it. And you look at, I think it makes more sense on the offensive side of the ball with the two running backs that left. More in the case of Jacardi Wright, not so sure why Joe Irvin left. And obviously the main reason is Deuce Vaughn, because Deuce Vaughn is getting anywhere from 17 to 25 carries a game at this point, right? You're not going to touch the ball with a guy like Deuce Vaughn in front of you. It's unfortunate. But what, happened if that, what happens if that guy goes down? Lord, Lord forbid, right? If, if Deuce but Vaughn The running back is the most... It's very easy to get injured as a running back. Exactly. Exactly. So, Joe Irvin, a guy that's sitting second on the depth chart right now behind a guy like Deuce Vaughn, as he should, right? No no dig at, no dig at Joe Irvin there. Just Deuce Vaughn is elevated, right? I just, I don't, I don't know why Joe Irvin would decide to leave. And then Jacardier Wright, I think, makes a little bit more sense, right? He didn't get enough playing time. But also, it's kind of his fault for fumbling against Oklahoma on the opening drive. So, kind of did it to himself there, if you ask me. But you look at who we have coming in. DJ Giddens out of Junction City, I think, is going to be really good. You have Jordan Shippers, who will be another young running back that will come in. I think best-case scenario, you go get Dylan Edwards out of Derby. I hope so. I would love that. I would I love to have to a guy like Dylan Edwards to commit to, to K-State. I, I'm not. Best, gonna, and that's best case. I'm scenario. not going to say I'm doubtful that he'll come to. K-State, oh, I, I'm doubtful, but I kind of am because he's got, he's got offers from what like Wisconsin all and over all the these place. like super. I will say I went to their I went to the Derby. Lawrence, yeah, Lawrence yeah. game, the semifinals. Yeah, he had three hundred and seven. He had three hundred five yards on twenty seven. Absolutely carries. insane. Yeah, he's so good. But I, I'm going to be honest. I don't think he's going to come to K State because I think. I'd love for him to come to K-State, but I It's going to be the whole Jaron Kanick situation, where yeah. Jaron Kanick commits to Clemson over yeah. K-State. It's the same but if, thing. But if any of us is being truthful with ourselves, we all love K-State, but if you're a high school football player and you have an offer between K-State and Clemson... Yeah. where Where's your better chance to make the lead? Yeah, and like... Where are it's you gonna, probably going to happen with with Avery Johnson too, and like another where do quarterback you, from from Kansas. Where do you know you're going? to – Is he the kid from Mays? Yes, is that right? Yeah, it's like and it's like he got he got an offer from Notre Dame the other day. See, that's the thing. So, if if I am, I'm thinking back to me as an 18 year old, a 17 yeah. year old. If I get an offer from K State and Notre Dame, yeah, I'm picking Notre Dame to go play ten times yeah. out of ten. Dylan Edwards finished the season with uh, 2,600 rushing yards. He averaged 221 yards per game. He had 209 carries. 40 touchdowns, and 3,200 all-purpose yards. Wow. And he's built like Deuce Vaughn. He's only about 5'6". Yeah. I think he's probably only around 170, soaking wet, right? <laughs> right. Like, not going to get much bigger than that. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just frustrating to see players leave that we know have talent, and it's just unfortunate. Like, best of luck to you, right? But then the other thought that crosses my mind is, like, where are you going to go? Like, you're already at K-State, and you're going to drop to, like, some D2 school. You're going to go to the FCS, go play for San Jose State. Like, Well, and I think I think a lot of it, this is going to sound like I'm some, like, 
old dude who's like ranting, like some like, you know, 50, 60 year old guy ranting about, you know, this generation and everything. But I really do think this is just a, um, a visible example of how our generation, college kids right now are very, we want what we want right now yeah. and you better give There's it no to patience. us or we're going to like, it's like you, like people don't realize how good they have it. Like Jacardi, right. Yeah. Like I get, I get that, you know, there's situations you want, you might want to go somewhere else, but it's like you have, you are at a division one power five for now school. So it's like, what more do you want? Like I get, you want to get more playing time or whatever, but like you haven't had enough playing time to where people are really going to know what, what kind of stuff you got. So it's not like you're going to go from K state to like Alabama or something. Like, you know what? If, if, if he goes on and plays at Alabama, more power to him. Like, that's awesome. You're going to a better football program, but he's probably not going to, you're probably going to go to some small, smaller FCS or D2 school or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what's the point? Why did you leave? Why do you, would you rather go there? I don't know. I'm going to pivot here uh, real quick. Bowl game. As we're just kind of moving on here toward, towards uh, the end of the show here. Wow. It was looking like it was going to be the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando, possibly against Clemson, right? Well, what a storyline that would be. Jaron Canick out of Hayes, right? He's out of Hayes. Hayes America. Hayes America right here in Kansas. Commits to Clemson over K-State. And then what happens? K-State ends up playing Clemson in the Cheez-It Bowl. The Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando, Florida. K-State beats Clemson in that bowl game. And Jaron Canick says, whoa, I didn't know they could do that. And he flips and he comes to K-State. What a storyline that would be, but no. Uh, probably going to go Texas Bowl, right? <laughs> yeah, what, uh, what we're looking at now is probably the Texas Bowl in Houston against Mississippi <clears throat> State, the rematch. The SEC versus Big 12 uh, Ag land grants. What? Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, bring it on, and we'll we'll kind of yeah. Let's uh, we'll get into that next. At Tanner's Bar and Grill, you can sit down and watch the game. Which game? Well, with 22 TVs and access to a selection of college sports and NFL programming, you can watch whatever game you want. Located at 1200 Morrow in the Ville, everyone is welcome to grab a bite to eat and enjoy college sports networks like SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, and more. Thirsty? Tanner's also has 16 beers on tap and a selection of over 40 craft beers and seasonal drinks. We're talking bowl games here on Wildcat 91.9. This is Settling the Score. My host, Colin Settle, joined as always by Nate Gray. A big thank you to Nick Leckie, former K-State offensive lineman, Big 12 champion, Super Bowl champion. He joined the show earlier. Let's talk about bowl games. That's how we're going to wrap up the show today. Let's start with the CFP. Currently, and it has is the show. When does the show start? They already put the rankings. There, do you yeah. have the rankings? Mm-hmm. Do you have, I have right now? the top like six? I just yeah, I just want the top six yeah, here because so I, I knew I knew that they were coming out tonight. Yeah, so it's Alabama, um, Alabama, or no, sorry, Georgia. Oh my god, sorry, you scared no, that'd me. be ridiculous. Oh my gosh, I'm just so used to saying yeah, yeah Alabama one. Yeah. yeah, who's next? Yeah, no, uh, Georgia one, Michigan two, Alabama three, Cincinnati four. Oklahoma State five, Notre Dame six, and Ohio State seven. Past that, I can't get it to load. Okay. 
Here's what we're looking at. Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Cincinnati. Oklahoma State, Notre Dame first two in. Ohio State, Mississippi, Baylor at 9, Oregon at 10, Michigan State, BYU, blah, 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 whatever, right? Where's uh, Oklahoma, <laughs> Oklahoma at 14? <laughs> good to see. Good to see that there. But uh, And here's my thought. Best case scenario, Cincinnati and Oklahoma State both get in. And here's how I think it happens, right? Georgia. I don't think it's out of the picture. I don't think it's out of the all. picture at all. I think best case scenario, it's Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State. How great would that be for the new Big 12? Yeah. The quote-unquote new Big 12 with all these with the teams coming in. To have Oklahoma State in and then— I'd say how great is that for the new Big 12? How much greater would it be if they went and they beat Michigan? How incredible and it's would like, that be? It's like, you know what, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Texas, Cincinnati goes out and beats Michigan. You guys go— What? You guys go on to the SEC. Yeah. We'll take Cincinnati. Yeah. Best case scenario, Georgia's going to play Alabama in the SEC championship. Georgia's or Alabama's currently the third-ranked team, right? They have the three seed. If they lose and Oklahoma State beats Baylor in the Big 12 championship, how do you put an 11-2, and two, a two-loss Alabama team in the playoff? I don't, I don't, I don't see it. That's Oklahoma was, State would only have one loss, and Cincinnati would be undefeated. That's why I was so hoping – Auburn wouldn't piss their pants. Yeah, oh my gosh! And then, do you think? Do you think if they had Bo Nix, they would have won that game? I think if their running back was competent enough to know not to go, not out, of to bounds, go out of bounds, they would have yeah. won the game. Yeah, um, but because they point. had the game, they had it right there. Yeah, they just pissed it away. So I don't know. Best case scenario: Georgia beats Alabama, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State both win their conference championships. Michigan, I think, is going to win here. Like, I don't see Michigan losing at this point, now, to be honest. Now, this would be – Kirk Herbstreet tweeted this, and he said, what happens if Georgia beats Alabama and then everything else happens just the exact opposite of what you expect? Like, what if Georgia beats Bama, obviously they're Baylor one. Baylor beats Oklahoma State. And then State. Baylor beats Oklahoma State, Iowa beats Michigan, Houston beats Cincinnati. What do you do there? You put Notre Dame in. Notre Dame. Ohio State. Oh boy! Exactly. It's like oh boy. What do you do? <laughs> that's a very yeah, that's a very good because like, I'm looking at it. That's a very good point. And you're like, do you put Ole Miss in? How far do you jump Baylor at that point? Yeah. Does Baylor earn their way in? Oklahoma State beat because ba- Baylor beat did Baylor beat Baylor yeah. beat Oklahoma. Yeah. And then they would go and beat Oklahoma State. Yeah. Whoa. How so? How far would Baylor jump? If from Baylor, nine? if if that happened, I bet Baylor would be four. Would you put a two loss Oregon team in? No. No. Not with their two losses. So, so no. Oh Here's boy. the thing, though. The college football playoff is such a sham that if that happened, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they put they put oh, Bama they just, they just and dropped, Ohio State back. They in. just drop Michigan down to three. They drop Bama down to four, and then they bump Notre Dame up to two, or something weird like that, just to make sure they get all their favorites in. That's the thing, but it wouldn't surprise me if Michigan lost. If then they That's go, wild. if then they go, oh, Ohio State. We'll put Ohio State in. It's like, what? and have them. Oh my gosh, is this is this under the assumption that Cincinnati, Oklahoma State both lose? Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, they would jump Notre Dame and Ohio State. Yeah. Up into the up, which into is the so stupid because then Cincinnati and Notre Dame would both have one loss. Cincinnati having won the head to head. Yeah. 
and then Ohio State, Michigan, both having two losses, Michigan having won the head to head, and I bet they'd still put Ohio State in because it's a total big sham. Yikes. Oh, big yikes there! So my go- my hope is that Georgia wins, Michigan wins, Cincinnati wins, and uh, Oklahoma State wins because I think that. Would oh yeah, I think State I think having because uh, I think Georgia I think Georgia's gonna be Bama. I, I really so. do. I really think. They I think will. so. And then if Cincinnati can pull it out, Georgia. I don't think anyone's beating Georgia. I mean, this is like the best. A- any given ever. Sunday, you know, it's not over till the fat lady sings. Like, well, here's uh, the deal: whatever. if if Alabama couldn't put up more than ten points in regulation, yeah. on Auburn, Auburn, who's six and six now, I don't know if they're moving the ball. I don't no. know if they're getting a first down. No, against Georgia. Georgia defense. No, not a chance. They ain't scoring more than like ten points. <laughs> There's no way. And uh, don't forget that seven points for Alabama out of that ten came in the last thirty seconds of the game. It took them ten. All ten was in the fourth quarter. Yes. So it took them forty-five minutes to get points on the board, and it took them fifty. Would it be fifty-nine minutes in like thirty seconds? Well, I would not be confident this weekend. Wow. against Georgia, and I think Georgia. You know what? I like Georgia, too. I think Georgia has this coming. They've been the team that makes the SEC championship game and gets smacked around by Alabama yeah. for so many years. It's, it's about that it's time. It's their time to go it's out there and say, Alabama, we're going to drop the hammer on you and drop 50, 50 points on you. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, and that's best-case scenario. And then you look at best-case scenario for K-State, obviously, cheesable would be nice, but I don't. I think it's kind of out of the picture at this point. To it be just hurts because it hurts because, dude, if we, it was literally right there for the taking. And you know what? Done. We easily could have beat Baylor and Texas. Yep, and, and we Oklahoma. Have, we could have beat if, Oklahoma. But even if we just would have won these last two games, we'd be nine and three. Yep, we'd be third place in the Big Twelve. Yep, we'd be the Alamo Bowl. That's yep. a really good bowl. That's a great bowl. So it's just it just stinks. I will say the last time that uh, K State played in the Texas Bowl was in 2016. Mm-hmm. They beat Texas A&M, A&M yeah. 33 to 28. So you have a good history there. Would hate to see us go to the Liberty Bowl again. They won't do that. They would. They, they wouldn't won't do pick that to two us. bowls in a row like that. They won't do it. And that's bad. Hopefully for, not. That's bad for them. That's yeah. not good business to have yeah. the same team in there two times in a row. What else could we? I think it's just Texas Bowl at this point. That's like the the front runner in my mind. That's what CBS is saying. They think it's going to be the Texas yeah. Bowl for us. I don't really know what else they'd give us, honestly. The Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. <laughs> the First Responders Bowl. <laughs> Good Lord. Oh, speaking of bowl games, do we know who Texas is playing? Um, well, they might still get a bid. Because remember, Good the top Lord. 10, 5, please, and 7 teams get a bid. Don't. Please. Because there's too many bowl games. I'll say it again. There's too many bowl games. Too many bowl games. No five and seventeen should make a bowl game. Personally, I think you should have to be seven and five to make a bowl game. You think it should be a seven win? I think you should have to be above five hundred. Oh yeah, you have to be. You have to be above five hundred to make a bowl game. In my opinion, I think you should. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That's something to bring up next week when uh, When, the bowls are announced. When we know. When when we know. When we know what we know at that point. You know. So. It'll be a good time. We have a, we only have a few shows left, Nate. I will point that out. The semester's coming to an end. Uh, I'm graduating in a week and a half, which means 
the show is coming. They, okay, so the show's not coming to an end. I just won't be able to go live anymore because I won't be like a student. Mm-hmm. I can't work for the student radio station if I'm not a student, right? So the time. Oh no! I sh- I'll, I'll I'll play a different song next week. We've been rocking with Supermassive Black Hole this whole season because it like worked for those first three games, and I thought it was like good juju or something. And then we lost three games, and then we started winning again. So I brought it back. But you know, I'll pull out a different a different Muse song next week uh, with time running out. A little teaser there. But yeah, thank you for tuning in here on Wildcat 91.9. I'm your host, Colin. Settle along with Nate Gray. He already gave his final thoughts. I'm not going to give him any more time than he needs. Yipbos to those who know. See you next week.